Hey, hey, welcome to episode 12 of the Karma Sense Foodcast. That's right, we've done the Dirty Dozen. I'm Davey H., and this is the Soylent episode. Don't know what Soylent is? Well, in the near future, it's going to be a secret. But on the Foodcast, there are no secrets. What is the secret of Soylent Green? New York City. In the year 2022, nothing runs anymore, nothing works, but the people are the same, and the people will do anything to get what they need. This is the police! What they need most is Soylent Green. The supply of Soylent Green has been exhausted. Most of us aren't in New York City, and 2022 is still a few years away. But you have to admit, nothing runs, and nothing works. We're all just big losers. Our country that we love so much doesn't win anymore. But the fact that nothing works isn't the most prescient prediction of the 1973 movie Soylent Green. That movie predicted that our society would become dystopian enough that a company would find competitive advantage by naming its product Soylent. In this episode of the Foodcast, we explore what Soylent is, and I sample a few of their products. It's a caper that gets more bizarre as it unfolds. But before we get into that, although this is officially an in-between-isode, which means I forego the interview and stunt segment and just rant, one Foodcast listener, who graciously hosted Mrs. H and me at his vacation home in the Georgia mountains, expressed disappointment with my Pink Elephant's in-between-isode about alcohol, because it was too short. That's right. Someone actually complained that there wasn't enough food cast. So in this in-between episode, I rant, I do a stunt, and I stick in a bonus rant about a liquid that's more popular than Soylent and less popular than alcohol. And by the way, some additional input I heard from this listener is that my voice on these podcasts is different from my real-life voice. That in the food cast, I sound like John Travolta. So listen for that. But to my friend, I say, up your nose with a rubber hose. And now... A rant. What if there was an affordable, healthy food that met all your daily nutritional needs in one convenient, ready-to-eat package? That'd be pretty great, right? Not so fast. If you're a listener of the Foodcast, you want nutritious food. But nutrition is only one cool side effect of eating. Food is sensual and social, too. The makers of a family of products called Soylent want to ignore those aspects of food. Soylent is the brainchild of a feller named Rob Reinhardt, a software developer who whipped up a concoction in 2013 that allowed him to proudly brag on his blog that he hadn't had a bite of food in 30 days, and it changed his life. I know that feeling. It's only been a few months since I left my career in the you-can't-work-enough-hours world of the tech sector. I know through my 15 years of intermittent fasting experience that taking food prep consumption, and cleanup out of your daily agenda saves you a crap load of time. Despite that, I don't buy into this concept. But before I dismiss it wholeheartedly, I better learn more about what Soylent is. And for that, we go back to Rob Reinhardt. After posting about his experience on his blog, Senior Reinhardt got such a great response, he kicked off a crowdfunding campaign so he could mass-produce his creation. He settled on the name Soylent in honor of a sci-fi book called Make Room, Make Room by Harry Harrison. 
And no, my homies from the tri-state area, this is not the same Harry Harrison from Top 40 radio station WABC. In the book, soylent is a contraction of the word soy and lentils, two ingredients to the staple that feeds an overpopulated and resource-thin world of the future. But in the book, soylent has a terrible secret. And that secret is further dramatized in the 1973 movie Soylent Green. In real life, the folks at Soylent try to be fully transparent. They post all the nutrition facts clearly on their website. And although they scratch the itches of many a hypersensitive food fascist, Soylent clearly states where it can go afoul with that ilk. Soylent is vegan, lactose and nut free, FDA compliant, certified for good manufacturing practices, and made in the good old U.S. of A., where some say nothing works. Soylent is not organic and not gluten, soy, or GMO-free. How many products do you know that state these perceived shortcomings so clearly? Soylent rolls out its products over time. Right now, there are four offerings. There's a powder that you mix with water. There's a pre-mixed bottle that's just ready to drink. There's another version of the pre-mixed bottle that includes coffee. It's part of a complete breakfast. And then there's a food bar, which they, cleverly enough, call Food Bar. Each has a no-frills package that you can see in the show notes. Nutritionally, the powder and two drink mixes each contain 20% of the calories, fat, carbs, protein, vitamins, and minerals the average person needs each day. The bar contains 12.5%. One can feed him or herself on nothing but Soylent from anywhere from 9 to 20 bucks a day, depending on your real nutritional needs and the product mix you choose. But how does it taste? Soylent claims their products have minimal taste. They're both broad and neutral. Web reviews equate the taste to a vanilla milkshake, pancake batter, bland and joyless, like Play-Doh, or like a wrung-out dish rag. With a range like that, I decided I needed to try it out myself. I ordered a sample pack that included the coffee flavor, the original flavor, and the bar. I decided I'd choose a day on which I only eat Soylent and relive my days of the hellish world of a keyboard jockey. Based on what I learned on the web and my own personal habits, I decided to consume my cash in the following sequence. Coffee flavor to mimic my breakfast and to avoid the caffeine withdrawal headache I expected to get from not drinking real coffee that day. Then later in the day, the plain Soylent flavor. And finally, the food bar. Soon after my sample package arrived, I received something else in the mail that made me hesitant about this experiment. It was a recall notice because apparently a significant number of people who ate the food bar ended up getting violently ill. Did that stop me? Let's see what happened. Waking up at the crack of dawn has always been a thorn in my head. But now I drink coffee. Complete breakfast and coffee in one convenient bottle. Tastes like coffee. I usually start my day with three glasses of water and then two or three mugs of coffee. But today I'm going to start with the Soylent Coffeeist drink, which I'm now opening. Looks kind of like a coffee color. Smells coffee-ish. And I'm pouring it in a glass, it's really thick. Down the hatch.
thick. Tastes kind of like black coffee, some. But it has a bit of an off taste, if you ask me. It's drinkable. The whole thing is 400 calories. Part of why I started with this one is because I usually have those two or three glasses or mugs of coffee every day. And when I don't have those, I get a headache. So that's part of this. That's what this part of the experiment should help me figure out is whether this will avoid getting the lack of caffeine headache. Then I finish my glass of Soylent Coffeeist and we'll see how I feel in a couple hours. I'm on my way to a meeting for Alice's kids. It's been about a half hour since I drank the Soylent Coffeeist drink and I feel, you know, perfectly satisfied. I am burping a lot, but I'm kind of disgusting, so that might just be something I do all the time. I don't notice, uh, but I seem to be burping more often. In any event, the burps definitely have a coffee odor or a coffee taste to them, and uh, that's not something I usually get when I just drink coffee. So that's where I am right now, and we'll just see how the morning progresses. Okay. That time it was a regurgia burp. The near silence you're about to hear is not a mistake. That's the sound of my stomach talking at 11.35. Uh, I drank my coffeeist Soylent at about 8.30. And as you know, I fast once a week and my stomach never talks like this. So I feel fine. Still have a little bit of that coffee taste in my mouth, but this will be interesting. I'm not sure where this experiment is going. I do have to say that I just went to the bathroom and I'll be darned if I don't think my pee smelled like the coffeeist Soylent drink. So again, maybe that's my imagination, but I don't know. It's now 12.30 and I'm gonna go on to my next dose of Soylent. Just the regular old Soylent drink. And I'm pulling that out of the refrigerator. It comes in just a plain white bottle. Its nutritional profile is the same as the coffeeist version. The coffeeist version just has coffee powder in it and a few other extra ingredients, but it doesn't really impact impact the macronutrient profile. And the last one I did kind of mindfully, and because the intent of Soylent is actually the opposite of mindful eating, it's very mindless eating. It's something for the Silicon Valley set to drink on and get their nourishment from while they're working at the keyboard. So I'm going to do that this time. I'll still make some observations as I try and take it out of the container and everything and pour it in the glass. I doubt that the normal 
user would even pour it in a glass first. They'd probably just drink from the bottle. And so I pour it and it looks kind of like maybe eggnog or something like that. And how does it smell? I'd say the bouquet is like a vanilla and the taste. If you could take water and just make it thicker, oof, that's a terrible aftertaste. And now I know where the coffee, that weird coffee taste came from because it's actually what's in here. So the initial taste is fine. It's just like water, but it has a, a kind of strong, nasty aftertaste. I am not going to enjoy gulping this down, but hey, I'm going to take one for the Foodcast listeners. I'll gulp this thing down. So let me take another gulp. This is the kind of thing that I'd want to drink really fast, like what I had to drink that disgusting stuff before I had my colonoscopy. Just kind of chug it down. And, uh, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to plug away. I'm going to work on some signage for a health fair I'm working this weekend and drink my Soylent product. I have to say, I am not looking forward to this. I really want to drink this with like a water chaser or something to get the taste out of my mouth, but that's not how the dudes in the valley drink it, so that's not how I'm going to do it. I'll just plug away at work for a while and suck this thing down. Okay, I was trying to do the drink a little at a time thing. I just finally had to throw this thing down my throat and chug it. It just, the warmer it got, the more disgusting it got. So I'm done with it. I'm going to drink water to hopefully get this taste out of my mouth. I'm not looking forward to my third and final Soylent meal of the day. In fact, I have low expectations it's actually going to happen. Well, after having my coffee Soylent drink, which was drinkable, but not something I'd ever drink by choice, and then moving down later in the day to the plain Soylent, which was disgusting, Go up on the show notes and see the picture of my unoverly dramatic face, uh, my reaction to drinking that vile stuff. Now I'm on to the food bar. And uh, so I've consumed 800 calories so far. That's 400 per drink. The food bar is 250. And I'm not going to eat this whole food bar. And I'm not going to eat this whole food bar because I have a recall notice on it from uh, Amazon where I ordered it and from Soylent because people get violently ill after eating these food bars. Not everyone. According to Soylent's website, it's about 1% of the people, but they get violently ill. And I love you guys, but I don't love you that much. What I am going to do is I'm going to take a bite at least. Hopefully it won't get me sick. I'm opening the wrapper. It's kind of oily feeling. It's only 250 calories. I think it's got about the same percentage of macronutrients. It just looks like a brown wad. 
I have a protein bar that I usually eat from a company called Biotrust that I like and I'm opening that one too first of all just a joke I guess they look kind of similar the one I like and it is a little darker brown and not as oily feeling this one's really oily feeling got a knife and I'm gonna have a bite of this you know what? It smells a lot like the drinks. I have to say, it doesn't taste too bad. It's kind of caramelly now. I look in the ingredients and sugar is the second ingredient, so that's probably why it doesn't taste too bad. It doesn't have that overtly soylent flavor that the other, that the two drinks has. So it's not bad. It has a little bit of crispiness to it. My fingers are greasy. And even though it's not bad, I'm not going to eat any more. Because I don't want to get violently ill. And so ends my experiment. I never felt terribly hungry. The taste of Soylent Foods range from the food bar, which is pretty good, not something I'd crave, to the coffee flavor, which thank goodness for the strength of coffee flavor, to the vile, nasty, original flavor that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. I don't think tequila would even help it. I'd rather eat gefilte fish with that weird clear gelatin. At least I'd have the benefit of being kosher, which Soylent isn't. On the good side, I never got the caffeine withdrawal headache, and the sliver of food bar I ate never got me violently ill. And that smell of coffee and Soylent in my pee? I checked on the interwebs, and it's a thing. I realize that I may not be Soylent's target market. They're targeting people who are too busy and important to care about how nutrition tastes. I know people like that exist. I feel terribly sorry for them. It's probably why some of their creations, like Siri, suck so bad. Hey Siri, should I use Soylent? Dave, I'm not sure what to say. But wait, there's more. While we're talking about nutritious liquids, why not talk about a more mainstream trend? Milk alternatives, like almond milk. When you walk through the supermarket, there are two ways to tell that the healthcare industrial complex is onto a new money-making trend. There's the sprinkle method, in which they distribute remarkable health claims and features about their products throughout the store. That's when you see almost meaningless labels like gluten-free or all-natural in every aisle, from gluten-free soup to nut-free nuts. Then there's the cluster method. That's when you see an entire aisle with multiple shelves of some products that until recently barely existed. The latest target for this kind of cluster F is alternative milk. I posted a picture on the show notes from a recent trip to Whole Foods, but I'd see the same thing at Wegmans, Safeway, Albertsons, Publix, Ingalls, Piggly Wiggly, Carrefour, or Ralph's. Well, maybe not Piggly Wiggly. Several contingencies within the healthy lifestyle militia attack dairy products and big food is more than happy to sell to the new demand. But is cow's milk really that bad? Are these milk alternatives really any better? Is milk a natural? The American Dairy Association, a full-fledged member of the healthcare industrial complex, seriously, their fledge is totally at capacity, told us milk is a natural for many years. But many a nutrition fascist begs to differ, despite the fact that it's impolite to beg. For instance, followers of the paleo lifestyle argue that early humans lost the ability to digest lactose, milk sugar, when they grew into adulthood. 
But a few thousand years ago, a mutation spread throughout the human gene pool that extended the secretion of lactase, the enzyme that breaks down lactose, beyond childhood. This is what we call evolution, or intelligent design. And it's a good thing. Adults who could digest milk had a source of nutrition available to them when other sources became unavailable due to war, famine, or other bad mojo. So milk may not have been a natural for Fred Flintstone, but it became a natural for his descendants. But alas, not all descendants. There are still people today that are legitimately lactose intolerant. There are also people who avoid milk or choose alternatives for many other reasons, such as perceived health benefits, environmental concerns, and simple matters of taste. Do milk alternatives actually live up to their reputation? That depends on what kind of milk you got. Got milk? Got almond milk? Got hemp milk? Rice? Soy? Or some proprietary blend? With the health claims of milk on the attack, the various milk lobbies changed their tune. Instead of telling you milk is a natural and make you a better athlete, they sold milk as a necessary ingredient to a tasty treat and added the tagline, got milk. The dairy lobby needed to be more aggressive in its advertising. When you combine the sales of traditional cow's milk with that of alternatives, alternative milks represent only 8% of the total market. But it's growing quickly. Sales are up 94% in the last five years. I put an analysis that I did of all the different varieties in the show notes. It compares a few of the well-known traditional products with some of the more popular alternatives. I look at calories and macronutrient content. And when you examine that table, there are a few things to keep in mind. 1. There's no regulated or normal process for manufacturing milk alternatives. Even within the same family, there's a wide range of sources. There's conventional versus organic and then different processing methods and additives. Some are sweetened, some are unsweetened, some are flavored. Two, this analysis looks at unflavored, unsweetened versions. Other versions will have different and usually worse macronutrient and calorie profiles. Three, while the other variables such as source and processing method may impact the quality and purity of the end product, they don't significantly impact the macronutrient content. And four, to keep the analysis manageable, I only included some of the more common alternatives. Besides what I discuss here, there are so many other varieties. There's oat, cashew, quinoa, and soylent. Big Food probably launched two or three new types since I started recording this podcast. So you have the analysis in the show notes, and that appeals to food geeks like me. But what does this chart mean to real people? Well, let's discuss the pros and cons of each type, and we'll start with whole milk. Whole milk's high in calories. That's a consideration for someone who wants to lose weight, but with its high protein count, it's a great source of nutrition for athletes, athletes in training, or people who want to bulk up. It may not pack the protein per calorie wallop of a piece of meat, but it's a lot easier to down in mass quantities. Milk is a great source of vitamin D, which is a critical component for many essential body functions, and it's difficult to get from dietary sources. Milk's well known for its high calcium content, but there are so many better sources that calcium alone shouldn't be a reason to choose milk. Whole milk is high in saturated fat. It's a big contributor to the calorie count, but probably not a concern for the people of average health. As noted in mantra number five of the Karma Sense Eating Plan, eat good fats daily and a variety of different fats. Saturated fat is not generally a health issue. However, there's no reason to go out of your way to get extra saturated fat in your diet. Next, unless otherwise noted, milk contains a kind of sugar called lactose. 
For people who don't produce the lactase enzyme, that's a problem. For other people who want to watch their sugar, it's an important thing to note. But lactose seems to lack the same blood sugar spiking punch as table sugar. Finally, cows have a pretty heavy environmental footprint. It takes a lot of resources to maintain them. Also, they're often mistreated. And to thank us for that mistreatment, they fart a lot. All that methane wreaks havoc on our air quality. Next up is low-fat, skim, or non-fat milk. And they're all just milk, with the fat removed. Some people prefer the taste and mouthfeel of whole milk, but that opinion isn't universal. Other than having fewer calories and a lack of fat, it shares all the same benefits and issues as whole milk. How about grass-fed milk? Conventional dairy milk comes from grain-fed cows. Why this is called conventional when a cow's natural diet is grass, I'll never know. Thanks to subsidies to the grain industry and other logistic advantages of grain over grass, milk from grain-fed cows is cheaper, but grass-fed cows may be better for the environment. This claim isn't a slam dunk because it's highly dependent on the entire lifestyle of the cow and the manufacturing process to extract the milk. The advantage of milk from grass-fed cows is that the fat profile is better. Saturated fat in grass-fed milk is higher in a fatty acid called conjugated linoleic acid, or CLA. CLA seems to have beneficial effects when it comes to overall metabolic health, such as weight loss, heart health, and so on. Grass-fed milk also contains more omega-3 polyunsaturated fats. Finally, grass-fed milk tends to be higher in antioxidants like vitamin E, but this is highly dependent on the types of grass they eat. There's a bunch of cow's milks that come from proprietary sources. They're proprietary milks. It's a catch-all name for any number of products that change the nutritional profile of open source milk in a way that makes it more desirable to certain consumers. Most often these changes are in the name of profits. Lactate, brought to you by McNeil Nutritionals, brought to you by Johnson & Johnson, is one brand that's been around for years. It's milk with the lactose removed. Otherwise, it's nutritionally the same. But surely there's a way to take regular milk and tweak it to meet whatever the dietary fat of the moment is. Of course there is! And it's brought to you by the world's premier manufacturer of colored sugar water, Coca-Cola. Their Fairlife milk has a whopping five extra grams of protein, the equivalent of one hard-boiled egg. Fairlife is also higher in calcium, which we already established is not so important, and is lactose-free. And you get all of these advantages for 125% of the cost of a glass of open source milk and a hard-boiled egg. Such a bargain. Next up, almond milk. Now, be sure you're seated, because you're about to be as shocked as I was when I first learned this. Almond milk is not made by tiny little sprites whose hands are small enough to caress the teats of individual almonds. Instead, it's made by grinding almonds into tiny little bits and mixing the results with water. True story! It's something you could do at home without employing even a single tiny little Sprite. Sometimes manufacturers add other stuff for better flavor or consistency. Almond milk's main advantage is its low calorie count. While whole almonds have many health benefits, it's not clear all the goodies remain after the pounding they take when they're milked. One thing's for sure, although almonds themselves are a decent protein source, the milk version comes up virtually empty. For people who are looking out for the environment, almonds are a real nightmare. Most almonds in the United States come from drought-stricken Central California, and almonds are one of the thirstiest crops around. And of course, if you have a nut allergy, almond milk is not an alternative alternative. And then there's hemp milk, dude. Even with twice the protein of almond milk, hemp milk isn't exactly a protein powerhouse. 
Hemp's big advantages are its super balanced fat profile, including the ever desirable omega-3s, and its light environmental footprint. Hemp can be grown anywhere and under diverse conditions, ranging from the most verdant farmlands to the side of a highway to your neighbor's basement that has all those funny glowing lights leaking out the windows. But the hemp used in hemp milk isn't exactly the same as the hemp that gets you stoned. You can decide for yourself whether that's an advantage or a disadvantage. What about rice milk? Rice milk is an alternative that was mostly created for people looking to avoid dairy, nuts, and soy. Nutritionally speaking, it's the weakest of the bunch. It's high in calories, high in carbs, and has virtually no protein. Rice, especially brown rice, is now getting some bad press due to its relatively high arsenic content. I think these findings are overblown, but they do exist, and you should know about them. And finally, there's soy milk. When it comes to protein per calorie, soy is as good a source of nutrition as cow's milk. It also has fewer carbohydrates. Soy contains a plant form of estrogen, the female sex hormone. Too much soy can be detrimental to men and women, but men are especially susceptible. If you eat soy in other forms, such as tofu, tempeh, or as an ingredient in some other food, you may want to consider an alternative to soy milk. At my age, I'm quickly moving into man's ear, also known as the bro territory. I don't need to help the process by eating too much soy. Another consideration for soy is its environmental impact. Soy is a huge cash crop, and like other cash crops, such as sugar and corn, the healthcare industrial complex has figured out ways to grow it in the most damaging ways possible. And if you're worried about GMOs, soy is a common culprit. So what do you do with this knowledge bomb? Your decision on which type of milk to drink should be based on why you're drinking it. There's no right answer for all people. So here are some tips to help you choose. First, whether your milk comes from an animal or plant, it's always best if the source is raised in a way that's close to how nature intended. Animals that are fed their natural diets in low stress environments will produce the best milk. Plants that are minimally treated with human-made pesticides and fertilizers will have the greatest health benefits. Second, unless you're lactose intolerant or vegan, cow's milk is the best choice for the athlete. Third, unsweetened almond milk has the fewest calories, and it's best for people who want to lose weight. Too bad if you're allergic to nuts or if you love the planet. Fourth, soy milk is great one-for-one -one replacement of dairy milk, but consult with a nutrition expert before drinking too much. I think I know where you could talk to one. Fifth, hemp milk has the advantage of containing a lot of good fats. And sixth, don't replace cow's milk and recipes with unknown substitutes without doing your research first. Because each of the substitutes are chemically different and have different flavors. An incorrect choice could be a disaster. But if the extent of your cooking skills is pouring milk into a bowl of trick cereal, you should be okay with any of the alternatives. And so we bring episode 12 of the Foodcast to a close. This episode was 100% driven by listener suggestions. If you want to influence future Foodcasts, give me a holler. Otherwise, you'll be at my whim. And I'm not sure what a whim is, but it doesn't sound like something you want to be at. You can also influence the show by putting a review up on iTunes. You'd be doing me a solid. And now that creepy clown season is over, I can go back to the question of what does your old pal Bozo always say? What does your old pal Bozo always say? You gotta tell him, Silent Breed is people! We gotta stop him somehow!